we are going to start now. I think we are ready. We, we have waited for for some time now. We should have started anyhow. I think it was uh, beyond our control. Uh, we are meeting here as the steering committee today where we have invited the, the department to come and brief us. We are meeting here during the lockdown because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Again, honorable members, we are meeting during the on the 25th day of June month where in 1996, 1976, June on the 16th, we took up to the street saying we enough is enough. Here. And they were doing that because they wanted to liberate us. They did what has been done previously before by our mothers in 1956. We also I want to salute the in our parliament that are busy having the dialogues of the youth parliament. Even today, I think some were, were on that dialogue from 9 o'clock until 14 hours. Under this lockdown, honorable members, we are experiencing a high number of gender-based violence and femicide, where we are losing a lot, or we lost a lot of women and children that were raped and also killed. Yesterday, a three-year-old child was laid to rest. Today, seated here, one of our members from the so National Assembly, enough. Mama Dora, was laid to rest. We also lost one of our members, Mama Tandi, from the DA. I don't know when is she going to be laid to rest. May their souls rest in peace. Honorable members, I think all this is happening today. I think some in our watch on that dialogue. But as women of this country, I think we under this lockdown, honorable members, we are experiencing a high need to do something in order to make sure that this gender based where we are losing we are we are we be able to deal with it. That were raped and also killed. On the book of Esther 4, verse 14, yesterday, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance of your Jews will arise from some other places. But your relative will die. I take it like as women of this country, if we're going to keep quiet about what is in our country, about the pandemic that we're facing, about the violence and femicide. When if we're not going to take a stand as women, it means the country is going to die. It needs us as women. It needs us to stand. 
National Assembly, Mama Dora. And fight this schedule of gender-based violence. Honorable members, we are meeting here inviting the department to have the steering chorus in order to have the of the plans that the plan that the for our broader caucus. I also believe that we all have our our agenda that has been circulated by our our secretary. Secondly, I want to check with the with the secretary if uh, there are any apologies. Mandy, is there any apologies? Um, yes, Chair. Um, Ms. van der Merwe is ill and she cannot join us, but is represented by Ms. Klengwa. And um, the Deputy Minister is has apologized. Um, she has um, prior commitment. She has a prior commitment as well as Ms. Nube Ndaba. She's also um, not available. Ms. Pilani Majake will join the meeting. She has joined the meeting, but she's just experiencing um, technical difficulties, but our IT section is trying to sort it out for her. Thank you. Uh, Mandy. Yes, Chair. Can you please keep on checking? When you see that I'm offline, please talk to the whip to take over. It's like now yeah. I was offline. Okay, um, I will. Do we do we only have one apology? We have two apol we have three apologies from your side. Yes. Did you receive only one? I received three, Chair. Three written apologies. Mindy. Hello. From the department, do we have any apology? Hello? Honorable members. Honorable members, Mandy. Do we have any other apologies? How many? You said how many apologies? We can Is it all from honorable members? Mandy? She's lost. Okay, can we we proceed? Uh, honorable Minister. Honorable Minister. Honorable uh, Chairperson. Honorable, Honorable Minister. Minister. Here is the Honorable Minister. Can you hear me, Chair? 
Here I am. May I start? Honorable Minister, if Hello. you are going to brief the, the steering committee, can you do that? Okay. Honorable Chairperson of the Multi-Party Women's Caucus, members of the Multi-Party uh, Caucus of Hello. the Multi-Party Women's Caucus, can you hear me? It is indeed a great pleasure to engage with you today. I am looking forward to a fruitful discussion on the National Strategic Plan of Gender-Based Violence and Femicide. I would like to express my concern at the recent spate of violence and horrific murders of women and children. This morning, I was receiving a memorandum from an NGO called Enough Is. I received this memorandum on behalf of the president at the union buildings. At its core, Gender-based violence and femicide is a manifestation of a profound lack of respect and a failure by men to recognize the inherent inequality and dignity of women. It is an issue of fundamental human rights. Men and women are equal human beings and are protected by the constitution of South Africa, particularly the right to life is enshrined in the constitution of South Africa. South Africa will center its efforts on bringing about specific changes around the following six pillars, accountability, coordination and leadership, prevention and rebuilding social cohesion, stopping violence before it happens, and a national drive towards shifting away from a toxic masculinity, restoring human dignity, and rebuilding the social fabric. Efficient and sensitive criminal uh, justice system, equate, uh, adequate care, support, and healing, building women's economic power, and better information management to inform action. The IMC, the Interministerial Commission, I'm sorry, committee formed by the president after the adoption of the National Strategic Plan was adopted, is busy establishing a national council on gender-based violence, which will consists of six government, 
six is already uh, uh, available. It's myself, Minister of uh, Police, Minister of Justice, uh, Minister of the uh, Treasury, Minister of Public Service uh, Administration, Minister of, of, of Social Development. We will then be uh, augmented by the seven representatives of all the uh, civil society uh, representatives in our country. The council will be supported by broader technical working groups and teams at national, at provincial, district, and local municipality level. Currently, to kickstart the implementation of the NSP, my department has called on all departments to integrate NSP, National Strategic uh, Plan uh, targets into their APPs and strategic plans as they reprioritize as a result of COVID-19 pandemic. As part of coordinating the implementation of the NSP, one, the department will uh, be asked to submit reports uh, detailing uh, the percentage of funds spent on COVID-19 that went to uh, the uh, uh, women's and this then uh, the, the NSP on the 11th of March 2020, cabinet has approved, as I said, the NSP, which is for 2020 to 2030, and the establishment of the council I referred to earlier. Cabinet also approved the, the setting up of the IMC, uh, which I've already spoken to earlier. Um, once the council is appointed, the, 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 the council will become the custodian of the responsible for the driving, for its, uh, for driving and uh, uh, its implementation. The emergency response action plan, ERAB, that we implemented between October 2019 and March 2020 demonstrated that working together, we can achieve more than working in silos. Similarly, the NSP is based on the understanding that a multi-party sectoral approach is a central is central to effectively addressing the gender-based violence and femicide effort and affront. The NSP set out to provide a cohesive strategic framework to guide the national response to the hyper-endemic gender-based violence and femicide crisis. South African women are really in a crisis. 
they are dealing with a double whammy situation of having to be fighting against the pandemic called COVID-19 and again the pandemic of being killed even in their bedrooms. The NSP vision is a South Africa free from gender-based violence and femicide directed to women, children, and LGBTQIA persons. To, to, the, to achieve this, uh, women as economic empowerment and inputs into the gender response budgeting and amid COVID-19 pandemic would be very important. As of the 30th June weekly progress reports co-signed by government and civil society will be submitted to the president. Whilst establishing the National Council, we have started to implement pillars based uh, on interim technical teams uh, constituted by both government and civil society representatives. The interim technical teams have a task to popularize the NSP at the district and local municipality levels in order to mobilize communities to uh, actively participate and join the fight against gender-based violence. We are also busy with a communication strategy, media campaigns to inform, educate, and raise awareness to influence uh, attitudes and behavior, behavioral change in the society. The presentation today will give an overview of the NSP development process and the finalization. The success uh, of gender-based violence NSP's efforts will depend on all stakeholders moving beyond differences, uh, building meaningful uh, relationships of trust and finding ways to work together. Thank you, uh, Chairperson. Uh, good afternoon.
Hi, hi Mandy. Um, um, so the chair is experiencing connectivity problems. Is it possible for you to just chair in the meantime until the chair is sorted out? Oh, no, no problem. Um, I understand that we are supposed to be receiving a presentation for yeah. the, 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 the strategic plan yes. for the department. Yes. So I understand the minister was doing an input uh, yes. to just the guide on what the, the the work that has been done by the department so far. So can we allow the department to then give us their presentation? Perhaps on the engagement, we'll then engage the input from the minister equally with the with the presentation. Can the person assigned to do a presentation go ahead? Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, honourable uh, chair, uh, and. To acknowledge the, the Honourable Minister the, uh, and the Honourable Members, my name is Dr. Annette Grissel. I'm presenting uh, the... Thank the, you very much, uh, Minister, for your, for your briefing. Cool. Uh, and who's going to brief us from the department? Dr. Grissel, she's sitting right the there. The one who's going to give that overview you're talking about. Yes, yes, madam. Thank you, Honourable Chairperson. Uh, shall I proceed? Hello. Yes, Honourable Chairperson, this is uh, Dr. Crystal. Yes. Um, yes, I'm the you can proceed, Doctor. I'll proceed. All right. So um, I'm going to give an overview of the National Strategic Plan on uh, gender-based violence and femicide, which uh, Minister has already uh, 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 spoken to. Uh, the focus of the presentation will we'll, uh, talk about her background, the rationale, how it was developed, the uh, situation analysis of the GBVF in South Africa, the problem statement, the purpose, the scope, the, and the, the, the pillars, the principles and the pillars. Uh, we can go to slide three. So, uh, I think members would be aware uh, to a large extent of the background to the development of the National Strategic Plan. Uh, th there has long been uh, calls for a national and a co cohesive uh, strategic approach of the country as a whole by government and civil society uh, to combating the scourge of GBV. Um, we know that there was also a review of the National Action Plan by the Department of Social Development, and there was increased mobilization and activism uh, organized, and there was the historic march by Total Shutdown and other women's movements on the 1st of August 2018 uh, to the union buildings. Uh, there was subsequently a presidential summit in November uh, of 2018. Um, the next slide, at that summit, uh, a, a, a very important milestone was the development of a, a GBVF declaration. This arose from discussions leading up to the presidential summit, uh, including based documents generated by task teams, as well as there were a number of commissions at the summit. And I think what was critical from the start, it has been civil society government playing a, a critical role together crafting uh, these uh, uh, recommendations that were discussed at the GBV uh, summit. And we know also that this was a presidential summit. 
that was attended by the addressed by the president and also uh, addressed by a number of the ministers. Um, the declaration consists of nine, 19 articles that reflect the recommendations emerging from the summit to address the critical issues that had been raised uh, by uh, the delegates and by uh, uh, government and civil society uh, together. Uh, that declaration was eventually signed by the president and representatives of civil society formations and uh, social movements on the 28th of March, 2019. Uh, Article 3 and Article 4 specifically outline the tasks of developing a, uh, a national strategic plan which has the support of uh, all sectors of society um, and, 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 and is properly uh, resourced. And I think also Article 4, uh, you may not be able to read it, it's quite small, the writing, but that's also uh, spoke about the national multi-sectoral uh, coordinating body, uh, which would be championed by the president um, and that it would be uh, established uh, subsequent to the uh, to the summit itself. Now, the approach taken to the drafting of the NSP, because that was one of the critical tasks, uh, and I, I think members would also be aware that a interim steering committee made up of civil society and government was established uh, after the uh, summit to take forward the, the key tasks uh, outlined in the declaration. Some of the, some of the uh, key uh, uh, characteristics of the approach taken to the drafting of the NSP, because that was the primary task of the interim steering committee, there were already a number of baseline documents, as indicated. Um, but a, critical to the process was uh, that there should be a proper consultation, um, that there would also be uh, existing government frameworks would be taken into account, as well as engagement uh, with uh, teams. Um, the, the journey towards the development of the NSP, uh, there were extensive consultations, uh, including in, pro in the provinces, Eastern Cape, and the, and the details are available. The Eastern Cape, KwaZulu-Natal, Western Cape, Limpopo, uh, Northern Cape, Mpumalanga, Gauteng, Northwest, and Free State. Uh, those consultations are also, uh, 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 there was also online feedback and submissions that were provided, as well as specific sectoral consultations uh, to, to obtain various inputs. Um, now, the other inputs, as I would, as I have indicated, was, was that we, we, there was already the revised uh, program of action that had been developed by the Department of Social Development. There were the 24 demands uh, from the, 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 the total shutdown movement uh, with the march of the 1st of August 2018. There was the Presidential Summit Declaration there were also a number of consultative uh, multisectoral workshops, uh, including design workshops. Various teams were established, uh, ongoing engagements, and uh, the production of, of Draft Zero uh, as a basis for further uh, consultation. Um, the process also entailed reviewing feedback, identification of and budgeting for immediate issues relating to the NSP, um, fine-tuning the overall strategy based on feedback 
developing a revised document alongside the M&E framework. The costing process was also underway, as well as internal review processes throughout government. Just to say the ERAP, uh, in this time, there was also the emergency response uh, action plan. Um, and I'm sure members would also remember when uh, there were further marches uh, around uh, September uh, 2019 and uh, a special uh, parliamentary sitting. The president also addressed and, and the minister addressed uh, uh, protesters and, and uh, social movements outside parliament. That was when the ERAP uh, was, was developed and um, that was also a very, very critical uh, component. So, uh, the, the response was to say we're not going to wait until the NSP has been finalised because the NSP, while it was underway, the, the emergency response action plan was developed uh, in the interim period from uh, October 2019 to March uh, 2020. Um, what were some of the considerations also that were taken into account in, in developing uh, the, the, the NSP? Uh, I think um, what was uh, firstly and, and the, the, the rationale for what would the approach that would be taken. I think the first one was an effective criminal justice system. Many of the women who spoke at the GBV uh, presidential uh, summit on gender-based violence and femicide spoke very passionately and, and tragically in many cases about how the criminal justice system had failed them and how they had suffered uh, a, a secondary victimization often at the hands of uh, uh, various components of the criminal justice system. Um, what also informed the approach was people said we want safe transport, lighting and drugs. And we all know the stories of uh, women being uh, uh, raped and murdered on their way back from work, uh, coming home and, and so on. Uh, also, the, the, the issue of substance abuse, uh, alcohol abuse uh, has, 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 has been seen as a contributing uh, factor. The whole issue of policing uh, remains critical in our country and, 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 and often at the centre of uh, an effective response to uh, the scourge of gender-based violence and, and femicide. Um, but there was also... Uh, uh, the Interim Steering Committee also initiated uh, the, the issue of rapid response teams at a local level. So not just having uh, policy documents, but ensuring that where women live and where women work in their, in their homes and in their families, uh, that, uh, that there are rapid response teams. The Minister has spoken about the issue of the uh, women's uh, economic uh, uh, vulnerability and how that is a, also a critical contributing factor to uh, addressing gender-based violence and femicide. Uh, parenting interventions were also highlighted in that the manner in which we uh, raise both our boys and our girls uh, in our families uh, and in schools has often been raised. Um, now, in terms of the context, because that's obviously critical in understanding uh, in terms of the NSP, what, what is the context within which this occurs and uh, how we also deal with the problem. I think the first uh, uh, key point about the context was is around understanding the magnitude of the problem. Gender-based violence and femicide is not just a 
a small uh, social problem or a social problem affecting just a, a small section of society. Society it affects every population, but it doesn't only affect women and girls. It affects uh, families. It affects everybody uh, that is affected by uh, GBV and, and and femicide. Critical in the context as well is the whole issue of the history of institutional violence uh, in our country, uh, particularly in the context of colonialism and apartheid, where uh, which were both systems that were built on institutional violence. Um, so that institutional violence is still embedded within our societies. And it's important to understand that as we as we seek to understand and better respond to the GBV and femicide crisis. The other uh, uh, key uh, approach that we need to take into account when looking at the context is the whole issue of a whole of society approach. As I indicated, um, we will not be able to, uh, this is not something affecting just one small sector of society. It doesn't only affect individuals, it affects individuals, households, communities. Uh, in fact, there's very few sectors or, or institutions of our society that are not affected by uh, gender-based violence and femicide. And that also points to the need that when we respond to gender-based violence and femicide, we need to also take a whole-of-society uh, approach. Um, there's also the, the, the uh, critical contextual factor that uh, GBVF takes place within the context of high overall levels of crime and violence in our society. And um, th that GBV and femicide is itself a crime but it, 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 it uh, is, is, is within the context of high levels of uh, crime and violence, a violent society that we continue to, to have. Um, in terms of the purpose, um, the, the purpose is to provide a multi-sectoral, uh, coherent strategic policy and programming framework to strengthen a coordinated national response to the crisis of GBVF by the government of South Africa and the country as a whole. So I think the principles of multi-sectoral, uh, you know, a, a, a national and a comprehensive response uh, by the country as a whole uh, is very, very important. The vision is that uh, all people in South Africa, particularly women and children, are and feel safe, enjoy happy and healthy lives, relationships and social connectedness, access to humanizing sensitive services, fully able to realize their right to autonomy, bodily integrity, and equality. The principles are multi, that it should be multi-sectoral, it should complement and augment existing frameworks, um, there should be active and meaningful participation, but also visionary, transformative, uh, and, be, and be forward-looking. It should be uh, HR-based, survivor-centered, inclusive, uh, there should be inclusiveness, diversity, and intersectionality. Intersectionality being a, a key concept when we look at issues of uh, gender. In terms of the scope of the, the, the NSP, uh, it focuses on comprehensively and strategically responding to gender-based violence and femicide with a specific focus on violence against all women 
across age, physical location, in other words, uh, whether urban or rural, uh, women with disabilities, uh, regardless of sexual orientation, sexual and gender identity, gender expression, nationality, and other diversities. Um, and as well as uh, violence against children and how these serve to reinforce uh, each other. So that, that is the scope, um, which is the next slide, I think. Um, I think there's perhaps a lag in, 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 in the, yeah, so from, I've just looked at the scope. I'll now look at the vision. Uh, so the next slide is, is on the vision. Um, and I think the minister has, has, has also uh, spoken about this vision. A South Africa free from gender-based violence directed at women, children, and LGBTQIA plus persons. I'm now going to just unpack a little bit the principles that I had already uh, listed. Um, so we're now on uh, slide uh, 12, yes. So the multi-sectoral approach is critical to optimally harness the roles, responsibilities, resources, and commitment across government departments, different tiers of government, civil society, movements, youth structures, development agencies, the private sector, academic institutions, and all stakeholders. So I think this really underpin this is uh, this really underpins the approach that has been adopted from the start. It's not just a policing issue or a justice issue, or it's not just about, uh, you know, social movements. It's about, it, there must be a multi-sectoral approach. Um, the issue of complementing, the principle of complementing and augmenting existing strategies. So the NSP acknowledges that um, there, there has been work done on GBVF before. There, there were existing strategies um, and instruments and national initiatives on GBVF and safety in the country. Um, so the NSP uh, builds on those. It complements and augments them. And the NSP provides a much more comprehensive and uh, multi-sectoral approach. Um, the other important principle, critical principle, is that there should at all times be active and meaningful participation of communities, civil society, uh, various movements, uh, and those most affected by GBV uh, in the design, implementation, and monitoring and evaluation of the strategy. So this is not about people sitting in offices and developing strategies. No, it's about it, it, the principle is that uh, the strategy must be uh, developed and implemented uh, through with active and meaningful participation uh, of, of uh, communities and civil society. The important principle uh, also is that a, gen a visionary, gender-responsive and transformative approach uh, should be adopted that takes into account inequality and gender-driven differences uh, driving uh, gender-based violence and femicide. In other words, this acknowledges that gender-based violence and femicide is uh, one of the, 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 the foundations of gender-based violence and femicide is precisely unequal uh, gender relations within our society. So the principle is that we should be gender responsive and gender transformative. Um, the other important principle is a human rights-based uh, approach 
uh, and victim-centered and survivor-focused approach should be adopted in the provision of services and make sure that these reach all without the risk of financial hardship. On to the next set of uh, principles um, that the plan and the approach should be intergenerational and should also be youth friendly. So it, it should be aimed at uh, not just uh, uh, the older women and, and, and so on, but also it should be uh, suitable uh, to young women and, and to, to youth in general. Um, it's acknowledged also as a principle that there would be a progressive realization of outcomes through the prioritization of reforms and strategic partnerships to address wider systemic challenges. Systemic challenges are those that are not just addressed through a particular action, but they require a consistent and uh, uh, focused and concerted uh, actions and, and, and outcomes to be achieved in order to progressively realize those outcomes. Um, a further uh, principle is, is that it should be forward-looking in the co-creation of a different social milieu, milieu underpinned by respect, compassion, and human dignity uh, for all. Um, so it, this is also about creating a new society which which um, which respects uh, human beings and, and is compassionate. Um, mutual accountability for changes. Uh, this is also recognizing that uh, the the outcomes require achieving the outcomes requires government, civil society, communities, social movements, the private sector, development partners, and all stakeholders to work together to drive the agenda forward. So government must be held accountable, but so too must other partners be held accountable. The principle of inclusiveness, embracing diversity and intersectionality is very important. Also recognizing the importance of foregrounding uh, women's experiences, particularly the most marginalized by poverty, race, age, uh, ableness, sexual orientation, gender identity, and nationality. Now, the, uh, uh, the minister has uh, uh, outlined the key uh, pillars of the national strategic plan, um, and I will then uh, elaborate on those. Uh, I'll go straight into elaborating on uh, but also the, the critical uh, uh, principles underpinning this graphic shows the critical principles underpinning the pillars of accountability, responsiveness, prevention. Um, I'll move straight into uh, looking at the, the the different pillars. I think pillar one is 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 uh, very important in terms of accountability, coordination, and leadership. Um, and this is about Firstly, ensuring bold leadership, strengthened accountability across government and society in a manner that responds to GBVF strategically with clear messaging and adequate technical and financial resources. So these are all critical components uh, to achieving the successful uh, implementation of uh, the, the NSP. We can't have if we if we if leadership is very important, but if there's no technical and financial resources, um, then leadership will also not be sufficient. Um, the pillar one also addresses the importance of strengthened multi-sectoral coordination and collaboration across the spheres of government and sections of society, based on relationships of trust, 
that give effect to the pillars of the NSP. In terms of uh, pillar two, which focuses on prevention and uh, rebuilding social cohesion. Um, uh, firstly, this is about making sure that public spaces are safe and uh, violence free, particularly for women, uh, the LGBTQIA plus community and children. Uh, there should also be a strengthened delivery capacity to roll out evidence-based prevention programs. So it's not enough to have a plan um, which then, or, or, or a policy without having the actual uh, capacity to, to, to implement that uh, on the ground and to, to, to implement evidence-based prevention programs. Um, the third component of, the, of this pillar is about changing behavior and social norms within key groups as a result of the rollout of the uh, evidence-based prevention program. So ministers also spoken to this about uh, the, there's currently already work underway on looking at behavior change and uh, changing uh, uh, destructive social norms which uh, perpetuate gender-based violence and femicide. This leads then directly also into shift, the need to shift away from toxic masculinities towards embracing positive alternative approaches for expressing masculinities and other sexual and gender identities. So th th this is not about saying that there is no, there should be no masculinity, but it's saying let's move away from toxic masculinity towards more positive expressions of, of uh, masculinities and other gender identities. Um, then the pro the, the, there should also be an optimal harnessing of programs against violence against children um, that obviously will impact on the broader GBV eradication. There should also be, and in this pillar looks at the increase of prevention interventions on violence against the LGBTQIA plus persons uh, with a broader GBV prevention and violence prevention intervention. So this is identified as uh, an important uh, component of uh, the, the, the prevention and, and social cohesion pillar. And then finally, within this pillar, strengthened programming that addresses the restoration of human dignity, builds caring communities, and responds to the historic and collective trauma. And we've, we've spoken uh, earlier on about our context of institutionalized violence over centuries and inter over, over generations. Um, and it, we, so we need to have a deliberate focus on, on healing uh, within our uh, uh, various uh, communities and restoring human dignity. This uh, pillar also looks at the assumptions that uh, uh, around change is required at all levels, and this is about transformation at all levels, and this links up to the whole of society approach. Um, and the focus here should be on society as a whole. It should be at the community level. Uh, it should be at the individual level. It should be at the family or the, or the household uh, level. It should be at the relationship level. And it should be at the level of children, the manner in which we rear uh, our children and the values that we, that we uh, uh, bring our children up with, whether it be uh, in the family, in the schools, in, in the different social institutions.
Pillar three is about uh, justice uh, and safety and protection. Um, it's about uh, having a, an efficient and, 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 and sensitive uh, criminal justice system. Uh, this, what are the key uh, uh, deliverables here? All GBV survivors must be able to access efficient and sensitive criminal justice that is quick, accessible, responsive, and gender inclusive. So the example that we heard in the media, uh, I think it was uh, yesterday, where a rape uh, uh, victim was told to go home and come back to the police station the next day. That must never happen again. It cannot be allowed to happen. So we need um, GBV survivors to be able to access efficient and sensitive criminal justice, quick, accessible, uh, responsive, and gender inclusive. There must also be strengthened capacity within the criminal justice system to address all impunity, effectively respond to femicide, and facilitate justice for GBV survivors. Um, this, there's also a need for amended legislation related to GBV, uh, uh, specific GBV areas that builds on the legislative reforms initiated under the Emergency Response Action Plan. Pillar four is about response support, response care, support and healing. Um, the, the, the key components of this, of this are firstly strengthened existing response care and support services by the state and civil society in ways that are victim-centered and survivor-focused to facilitate recovery and healing. Uh, also, secondary victimization uh, must be eliminated through addressing specific individual and systemic factors that drive it. And we've seen this uh, uh, continues to happen within the court system, within police stations and so on. So this, uh, th there needs to be interventions to stop that secondary uh, victimizations. Victims must feel supported by the system to access the necessary uh, psychosocial material and other support required to assist them with their healing. There must also be strengthened community and institutional responses to provide integrated care and support to survivors and their families that take into account linkages also between substance abuse and HIV and AIDS. Pillar five, the issue of uh, economic power, uh, women's access to, to, to uh, the economy, an inclusive economy, uh, very critical. This includes accelerated initiatives that address women's unequal economic and social position through access to government and private sector procurement. Um, and uh, we've, there's a, quite a lot of work uh, happening there. We know that there's a the procurement bill, uh, which is um, currently which has been published for comment. The deadline for for comment on the on this procurement bill is uh, 30th of June. So we are also working with other stakeholders to make inputs into this to ensure that it is gender responsive. Um, but also within this power, issues of employment housing, access to land, financial resources and income and other in income generating initiatives. Uh, also critical are safe workplaces that are free of free from violence against women and LGBTQIA plus persons, including uh, but not limited, of course, to sexual harassment, where women continue to face sexual harassment uh, within the workplace. Also, we need a demonstrated commitment through policy interventions by the South African state, the private sector and other key stakeholders to eliminate the 
impact of economic drivers of GBV. We need to also strengthen the child maintenance and related support systems to address the economic vulnerability of women. We know that this is a critical issue where uh, women are left to, to, to fend for their uh, children uh, on their own and, and, and uh, struggle to get maintenance from their uh, former partners. Uh, pillar six is on research and information management. So even though we have increasingly improved the research and the NSP itself uh, involved uh, research, um, this is an area that needs continuous focus, particularly so that we have evidence-based interventions. Uh, and we, we so we need to have an improved understanding of the extent and nature of GBVF uh, and the way in which it manifests itself broadly and in relation to specific groups and, and, and the forms it takes uh, in South Africa. So we need to build the knowledge base uh, around this. And, you know, the, one of the proposals, in the, well, one of the, the decisions of the NSP is to create a GBVF knowledge hub. Um, it's also, this will also in, uh, allow for the adoption of GBV policies and programming interventions that are evidence-based, that are informed by existing evidence uh, and research. Um, but also ensuring that GBV-related relate, uh, information is, is generated across government departments and across uh, government information ma management systems, and that this is readily used to address systemic challenges and facilitate effective solutions and responses. Um, in terms of the implementation modalities, um, the, the Minister has spoken to these. I'll just cover them quickly. Um, the first is the establishment of a permanent multi-sectoral uh, coordinating uh, structure uh, in the form of the uh, National Council on Gender-Based Violence and Femicide. Um, here we have a slide on uh, the, uh, the, the, the various structures. Uh, we, we, the Minister has spoken about the Interministerial Committee. Uh, Parliament also has a critical role to play. Um, in, in, in this, uh, we have the minister in the presidency responsible for women, youth and persons with disability, who is the national focal point and who also chairs the interministerial committee uh, established by cabinet. There will also be, the minister has also spoken about the, the, the council with its uh, 13 members, um, made up of civil society and government. And then the, the idea is that there would also be provincial working groups uh, and local working groups. So that becomes a structure that functions uh, at all levels of, of uh, government and society. The, and then in terms of the National Council on GBVF, um, the, the, this is the, is, is the custodian of the plan. It plays a very important uh, strategic oversight uh, role um, to realise the national outcomes outlined in the plan. And, and it essentially will also play the, the role of driving this, this plan overall. The, IMP, the IMC plays a, a key facilitation and political liaison role. The presidency would work to ensure that government allocates adequate resources. Um, parliament, the role of parliament would be to ensure that the structure is governed by a statutory framework and provides oversight through the minister uh, in the presidency. Um, the presidency, led by the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disability, will provide overall coordination of the IMC 
uh, and government uh, and coordination of government departments and will facilitate institutional coherence across government. Uh, the, also very important would be the national gender machinery, uh, which uh, would be uh, a key part of the existing uh, policy uh, frameworks and the institutional uh, modality, the implementation modalities. The uh, Minister has already spoken about the, the, the National Council being 51% uh, of its members coming from civil society. The Secretariat will, will drive uh, the, the technical support um, in, in, in rolling out the six pillars. Uh, the different government departments are, are supposed to align their outputs within their five-year strategic plans, but also within their annual performance plans. So, so that the NSP must find expression within the, 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 the plans of government departments and within the budgets of government departments. Um, working with and through key strategic government departments and civil society networks and organizations uh, will, will also be key in the implementation modalities. And then the, the issue of accountability, so building national, provincial and local accountability for an urgent comprehensive and all-inclusive response. The minister has spoken about the weekly reports that will now be coming uh, so that they would be accountable at the highest level of government. Development partners have and will continue to play an important role uh, in aligning their uh, uh, investment into GBVF uh, eradication in South Africa uh, in, in terms of the priorities articulated in the NSP. And then the, 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 the critical uh, area also of costing of the structure and the GBV uh, and, and GBVF in general. But this, if we don't have budgets, um, then, you know, then, then our commitments will be a, a lot weaker. So an initial costing exercise has been undertaken and uh, the, the, the various role players, the department and the other role players are currently working together uh, with the department's agencies and national treasury to look at a reprioritization of, of APPs and, and ensure that resource allocations uh, include the, the GBVF and NSP targets. And the, the, the overall slogan is that there must be human dignity, healing, safety, freedom and equality in our lifetime. Uh, thank you very much. I, I also want to, uh, before I uh, close, um, acknowledge that we do have with us the DDG uh, for uh, social transformation, who's responsible for uh, the the GBV issues, Ms. Uh, Shoki Shabalala, who I'm sure the the members would be uh, familiar with, and um, we also have with us the Chief Director of Governance Transformation, Justice uh, and Safety, Ms. Esther Maluleke, who will also assist in responding to the questions. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you. Uh, hi, Mindy. Uh, Chairperson, because I can see she's, she's online. Yes. She's saving connect uh, to, to problems. All right, no problem. Yes. Thank you so much, Doctor, for a very uh, com comprehensive and insightful presentation.
Uh, without any waste of time, I will allow members to engage uh, the presentation equally with an input from the minister that was made earlier. So I don't know, maybe Mandy, on your side, do you have any hands that would like to engage? Um, Musharif um, just said in the message box that she wants to raise a question, Miss um, Nkomo. It's only Miss Sharif. Oh, for now it's just Miss Sharif. Okay. Okay, Miss Sharif, you can come through. Miss Sharif? Hello, Miss Sharif? <laughs> can you hear me now? Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, and thank you for the presentation from the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities. Um, I must say that I'm very excited to have this presentation by the NSV. Um, as, and, and I know this is a multi-party women's caucus, but as a portfolio committee, uh, we've really been looking forward to, to get you um, to come to the portfolio and present the NSV, and I think it would be a very good idea um, to do that as soon as possible. Um, but I just have a couple of questions. Um, let me start with, um, I'm just going to go down there. So the first one is, um, Minister, you said that there'll be seven reps from civil society. Can you just tell us how they'll be appointed? I know that, um, please correct me if I'm wrong, Minister, but there, there is meant to be posts that go out to the public to advertise. Um, uh, thank you very much. Um, so, can I continue, Chair? Yes, you can continue. Thank you very much. Um, so I just wanted to find out and maybe you can just tell us what the process is on appointing those uh, those members of the council and, and, and how it will be done. Um, the next thing I want to speak about is um, on the on the on slide number 24, um, uh, you, you, you said that um, the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities will provide an oversight function to the implementation of the National Strategic Plan. But then on the same slide, it then says that it will coordinate um, the overall um, the coordination of the IMC, the government departments and institutional coherence. So I just want to find out how are those separated? Because it seems to me and I could be wrong. It seems to me that we're doing, hello, Chair, um, that we're doing oversight over yourself. So maybe you can just clear that up um, for me. Um, and then when you spoke about the ERAP, Minister, you said that the ERAP um, stopped, uh, ended. I, I suppose, I guess you said it ended in 2020 so that it can be replaced by the National Strategic Plan. Um, it would be great if we as a multi-party women's caucus could see exactly what the ERAP has done, how it's been implemented, and what are some of the lessons perhaps that uh, departments have learned with implementing the ERAP uh, moving on to the National Strategic Plan. Um, in terms of the consultations um, that, uh, that that has been done, I want to find out how did the department or the interim steering committee go about inviting civil society to participate in the consultation? Um, can we maybe also get a list of those stakeholders, um, doctor, uh, that have been consulted? Um, that is, um, oh, and one more thing from my side is how exactly will the national strategic plan change social norms and toxic masculinity? Um, and, and I think this is a very important point because this is exactly 
what needs to happen. It's that the social norms and the social practices needs to be ripped up. That that un, that that invisible social contract women have seemed to have signed um, needs to be completely ripped up. And I think perhaps um, that, but maybe maybe it goes in deeper a little bit in the NSPs that schools play a really important role um, in this. And perhaps we can look at how um, the sexual uh, the sexual class, the, the reproductive classes and uh, those things that we being that are being implemented. Perhaps to look at consent classes. Um, and, and how we dismantle patriarchy and gender norms uh, within those things. Now, Chairperson, if you will allow me, I have been contacted by stakeholders um, to pose some questions um, to the minister and to the department. Um, so the first one is, um, uh, what, what does the NSP mean by decriminalization of sex work? So that's the first um, question from my constituency. Um, the second question is about the consultations. Um, the third question is who are and and maybe we can you can speak about the GBV survivors. Um, do they include people who have been prostituted? Um, yes, and then uh, from another stakeholder, um, they asked me to ask you, Minister and Department is did um, when putting the NSP together did the, the team consider and maybe did research and studied the effects of pornography on gender-based violence and homicide? Um, thank you very much, Chairperson. Those are my questions and then questions from um, my constituencies. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Honorable Sheriff. Honorable Chair, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Chair? Yes, Honorable Nkomo. Yeah, we were taking questions. Uh, the only person that has raised their hand was Honorable Sheriff. Okay. So you can take over from here. Uh, thanks, thanks, Honorable Nkomo. Uh, Honorable Minister, I think I I also have one question to ask you. Um, and I also want to thank uh, Dr. Annette for her present presentation. But somewhere, somehow, I sometimes fell off along the way. But I managed to get some of the some part of the of her briefing. Uh, Honorable uh, Minister, your department is playing a critical role uh, of the overall coordination. But Honorable Minister, as the member of multi-party women caucus. I just have the feeling that as multi-party, it's like we're left behind. Since you know that our mandate is to lobby and also to do oversight, I just uh, want to propose that uh, is it not possible that multi-party women caucus or members from the multi-party women caucus do form part of your your council. And when you are in your open
issues that you spoke about team uh, that is constituted by the executive and you said that the team will be this multi party can be given reports in order to i uh, oh lastly honorable minister the issue of i know that now we are, you are just presenting a strategic but while presenting the strategic plan there are a lot of things happening now because of the covid-19 the, the departments and the municipalities are busy working on the programs of co to solve uh, the covid-19 but women uh, youth and people with disabilities are left behind but we are saying as women who want also to Chairperson, the network, I think it's bad on your side. I could hardly hear anything that you were saying. Hello, Chair. I don't know whether, uh, Doctor, did you manage to get what the Chairperson was raising? Uh, Only a few of the issues, but not, not, not all of it. Oh, okay. Chair, you were breaking. We could hardly hear you, but let's hope that, Doctor, that the issues that he has, she has captured she will be able to respond. But as and when she responds, where you are not satisfied will then come back because your network is very bad. I could hardly hear anything that you were saying. Can you hear me, Chair? Yes, Chair. Uh, what, what were you saying? I'm saying when, when you were posing your question, you kept on breaking. So we could oh. hardly hear what you were saying. So I was just speaking with the doctor to say, did she, did she manage to capture what you were saying? She, she, she said she managed to capture a few of the things that you have said. So I'm saying, let's give the doctor an opportunity to respond where we are not satisfied or where we are not covered, we'll then come back. Okay, all right, thank you. Okay, okay, doctor, you can respond. You said you have a team uh, that you are yes. there, that can also assist in responding to other questions. But thank you, uh, honourable. Thank, thank you, honourable uh, Nkomo. Um, I will start with the uh, 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 the DDG Shabalala and uh, Chief Director uh, uh, Maluleka will will add. Um, the in terms of the representatives from civil society organisations. So. Um, we, on the 13th of June, the minister led a consultation uh, with the civil society organizations representatives 
to precisely discuss with them on uh, what the appropriate uh, method should be for their own appointment. Um, so we we said the IMC and 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 the department said that we're not going to uh, tell civil society how they should be appointed. Um, we said we want civil society to themselves, uh, particularly the organised formations of civil society, uh, to themselves respond on how the the the, the representatives, the, the seven representatives from civil society should be appointed uh, to the National Council. And, and that includes issues such as, you know, the key criteria. So that process is uh, underway. Now, in terms of the question also raised by uh, uh, Honourable Sharif around the, the terms of, you know, um, oversight and coordination. So the way we see it is that centre of government departments such as ourselves, and it would obviously include uh, departments such as Treasury and uh, DPME and DPSA and so on. Um, we have a dual responsibility to firstly uh, coordinate. So we're not we're not we do some implementation of interventions, but our primary role is to coordinate other government departments uh, and to ensure that they in fact, uh, uh, are doing the work that they are supposed to do within the National Strategic Plan. Um, and then, you know, we we understand that the primary oversight institution in our country is Parliament, um, but I think the term is also used within government so that, for example, the Department, the Minister of Women, Youth and Persons with Disability would also exercise oversight um, uh, 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 to some extent, uh, by in relation to the extent to which other government departments and ministries are indeed uh, implementing their roles. Um, so, the, you know, often people would use the term monitoring, but I think that the sense is that it's a bit more than monitoring. Monitoring implies that you're just checking, okay, social development, you know, how many shelters do you have? We've got the following uh, number of shelters. Whereas oversight is a little bit uh, uh, stronger in a government context uh, in terms of uh, uh, also assessing uh, whether the, the interventions have been uh, implemented uh, within a government context. So, but I mean, that that is a, is a, is a, is a so the IMC uh, would, would also play a, an important uh, role. And the, the, the National Council, as the overall custodian would, would uh, in our view, also play a oversight role in terms of the realization of the overall plan and the and the outcomes uh, intended in the in the plan. In terms of the ERAP, um, um, yes. Yeah, so, so as we said, that was uh, it was developed as a six month plan, October uh, 2019 to March 2020. Um, there is a report on its implementation, and I'll ask. Um, DDG uh, Chabalala or, or, or Ms. Manuleke to just speak to some of the key uh, 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 lessons and, and the key uh, progress that has been made uh, in that regard. I know also that the president, uh, when he addressed uh, the nation recently, um, also did speak to some of the key uh, progress made in the ERAP. 
Um, in terms of the consultations, um, uh, I, I, obviously there, there is that information available. I will uh, again ask the, the two colleagues to, to speak in detail um, and, um, you know, the, 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 the participation uh, in that regard. Um, the issue of how did the IMC invite CSOs, I think we've, uh, we've addressed that issue. How will the NSP change social norms? Um, this is obviously, I think, one of the most critical uh, challenges that we face in our society. And um, it relates to the manner in which social norms are constructed in the first place. So social norms are, are established uh, within a society through multiple practices and uh, uh, implicit uh, uh, understanding that is that is reproduced through multiple social institutions, whether it be families, schools, cultural practices, faith-based uh, uh, practices, and and so on. So it's it's constructed through multiple uh, social institutions. Um, and how do we then reverse those social norms? How do we begin to to uh, the, the, the term uh, that Honourable Sharif used was, how do we dismantle patriarchy? Um, because the two reinforce each other. So in an unequal society, the, 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 the inequality and the unequal gender and uh, other social relations are reproduced constantly through different social institutions. Um, how do there's a, there's a there's a in fact a science in terms of how does one dismantle uh, social norms? How do you change behaviour? Um, there are various there's, there's there's quite a vast literature on behaviour change in different settings. So you know the 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 and part of it is through um, the mass media. Part of it is through uh, 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 the issue of schools. Uh, Apparently, we've, we've been informed by the Department of Basic Education that they have already started to uh, look at the, the, the curriculum uh, to understand. And I think it's not just about, well, you know, maybe sex education, it's important. But I think it's also about the embedded um, norms and, and assumptions uh, that are built into, whether it be into a science class or into a history lesson or um, the, the, the manner in which girls are supposed to look uh, in their school uniform. So there are multiple, you know, practices and, and uh, that need to be uh, dismantled. And, um, you know, I think at some stage, once the, the full work uh, of, of behaviour change has been uh, uh, completed, um, and, and there will obviously be consultation around that as well. Part of it is also the mass media. You know, the mass media uh, also plays an important role in reproducing um, the, the uh, various uh, uh, norms and, and, and practices in our society. Um, you know, if we, if we take the example of the communication around the, um, the COVID-19 pandemic, it has also been about behaviour change. It has, it's been about... And it's been done through, you know, uh, frequently repeating messages. Um, here, the, here the message is, is much simpler. Here the message is wear a mask, 
and observe social distancing, for, for example, stay at home, etc. Uh, so, and how has, you know, if we look at how has that message got across to people, um, you know, or hasn't got across, we can also learn uh, lessons from there. Um, but I think that, that, that the issue of how do we change social norms is, is definitely something that we need to uh, grapple with. Um, the the issue of decriminalization of sex work and um, the definition of GBV survivors and porn, I will leave that to my uh, colleagues. Um, then, Honorable Chairperson uh, Bilankulu, the, the, the I heard the, the 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 Honorable Member was talking about the department's critical role in terms of overall coordination. And I then lost the I lost the sound there. Um, my apologies. And but I think if I think we have spoken about uh, how we see our coordination role. But I'm sure that my colleagues uh, would would like to add. In terms of the multi-party women's committee, um, and and the mandate of the of the committee to do oversight, um, uh, the the the. Honourable Member proposed that the multi-party women's caucus should form part of the council. Um, I, th I think the NSP has already been approved and, and does outline, um, you know, who the members uh, should be. But I want to just also, um, I think everybody acknowledges the critical role of the multi-party uh, women's caucus uh, if this is if if the strategy is to be multi-sectoral and multi-party, um, I think the minister also said that um, the 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 eradication of GBVF requires a multi-party approach. So, um, you know, I'm not going to try to answer the question of the multi-party committee's uh, caucus's role, it just but just to acknowledge that um, this is clearly has to be a, a central. Uh, role. Um, then the Honourable Chairperson also spoke about um, the issue of uh, COVID-19 and, and that women, youth and persons with disabilities are being left behind. Just to say that um, if we look at the, there are various structures uh, within government around how government is, 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 is uh, developing and implementing its response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I think firstly, the, there's the National Coronavirus Command Council, uh, which is the uh, chaired by the president and where our minister also sits. Um, we also have the NAT joints, um, which was established uh, early on as, as, as far back as, as January. And all the directors general uh, do consider and deliberate on the presentations before they go to the, the, the NCCC. And the NAT joints, there's various work streams um, that do the work. They are intergovernmental work stream, in, in interdepartmental work streams. We have been very active in the social impact work stream where we have been uh, contributing and uh, in fact we have been ensuring that the issue of gender-based violence and femicide 
uh, is a permanent item on the agenda of all these structures. And not just being a permanent item, we also uh, help to ensure that uh, GBV is, is related services were essential services because um, we were we were getting reports that uh, the the NGOs that were seeking to help uh, those who reported uh, cases of, of domestic violence uh, were not getting access. But we changed that, and then you know that that there were also referral pathways that were developed uh, specific to uh, so so there were various interventions there. We have also been uh, you know, as a department, uh, making inputs into ensuring that women, youth, and persons with disabilities are uh, part of the uh, economic recovery plan, uh, because the president has also, you know, been clear, and I think um, that the new economy that we rebuild after the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, um, or even now in in in, in under level three. It must be a more inclusive uh, economy. Um, let me leave it there. And um, uh, my apologies if I didn't hear all the all the other questions. Um, but and I will also ask uh, Didiji uh, Chabalala and uh, the Ms. Maluleke to to also respond, if I may. Uh, thank you, Chair. Thank you, Doc. Ms. Maluleke, can you take over? Thank you, Chair, and good afternoon. Um, afternoon. I just take a few of the questions, perhaps also to add to what the ADG um, has already responded to. Starting with the question about the study of, of pornography and whether we've looked at, at, at this issue, indeed, if you go right at the back of the strategic planning document, uh, you will see a whole list of literature that was reviewed uh, that attests to the fact that the strategy is, was not only based on, on the views and needs of, of beneficiaries, which is mainly women, um, through consultations that we've had, but also we did a lot of uh, quite extensive literature review to look at all aspects uh, of issues that uh, impact uh, on gender-based violence. So, yeah, the, the, there's a list of literature that just gives an indication of uh, what kind of material we looked at. The issue around uh, decriminalization of sex work, I hope I got the question right. But just to say, this strategy at this stage, I think we had an extensive uh, debate and engagement um, with uh, as interim steering committee, but also the drafters of, of the strategy and, and the experts that were advising us. We left the issue open simply because we are advised also by the Department of Justice uh, that this issue is a complex one and there are no converging views about what uh, discrimination of sex work is. And whatever policy and legislation that uh, needs to be looked at um, and, and, and developed will we'll really need to make sure that it's aligned 
to the laws of the country and discrimination. So we didn't take a particular position uh, regarding the strategy, but acknowledge that this is an issue that still needs to be resolved, that we need to work on as part of uh, responding to gender-based violence. Um, the issue around uh, ERA, um, I just, yeah, it, it's a lot of, if you look at the pillars that we, 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 we focused on during the emergency response plan, there's quite a number of uh, things that were done uh, that we, we plan to do. Uh, I can just take the issue of the access to justice, which is one of the pillars that we, we, we looked at and tried to implement. Uh, we had a number of activities that we actually implemented. For instance, making sure that there's available evidence uh, collection kits at police stations, uh, which are rape kits, adult sexual assault, pediatric sexual assault, uh, and, and DN referencing. We also uh, strengthened uh, family violence, child abuse, and sexual offenses units, um, and trained, for instance, we trained, of those units, we trained 312 policemen uh, and deployed them. Uh, I'm just giving examples because the list is quite long. Um, we looked at the issue of cold cases and we had a task team that was established by Department of Justice um, on the 1st of October last year and has since analyzed 785 uh, thousand dockets relating to sexual offenses. Um, in terms of behavior change, we continue to have campaigns, mass media campaigns, including during 16 days of violence against women. Uh, commence with uh, the gender-based violence and femicide sensitivity training, targeting law enforcement officials, prosecutors, etc. I'm just running through, yes, for instance, with response and victims and survivors of gender-based violence, uh, social development created 200 posts for social workers, uh, which were approved, and uh, and and uh, they started the, the process of appointing um, of, uh, of, of, of those social workers. Um, the NPA, uh, sought to upgrade five new Tutuzela care centers um, and, and identify sites in, in five provinces. And we had rapid results initiative, which was piloted in the Eastern Cape because we need to find a model of responding at local level. As the ADG said when she was presenting, the approach of this strategy this time around, it's really working locally at community level because that's where gender-based violence happens in homes in in communities uh, etc so we really need to have models and strategies of responding which we have not honestly done well as a country in doing that so we had this in, uh, piloted this rapid response model in the eastern cape to actually test uh, the model that we conceptualize and see how it works unfortunately we were hoping that by now, by end of March, actually, 
that project would have been completed, but it, the, it was uh, interrupted by the COVID-19. Uh, we are still uh, finding ways of continuing with the implementation of that model, and we hope to have um, a, a report soon. So I, I just really lifted a, a number of uh, thing, issues that were achieved during that period, and there's a report, actually, the IRAP report, that gives more detail about what was done and what the challenges were. Uh, the last example I just want to give under the economic opportunities for addressing uh, women's economic vulnerability, which is another pillar that the IRAP looked at, we contracted 319 participants. In 254 pa uh, participants and, and municipalities and districts, um, and, and to actually as, uh, assist us with responding to gender-based violence. So just to talk through the challenges and lessons learned with IRAP. Uh, the challenge is the scale, obviously, of gender-based violence. It's, it, the, 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 it's huge. Uh, that's why we say we are in a crisis. Uh, we also have a challenge of finding effective ways to address systematic challenges. And fixing the plane as we fly, that's another big challenge. As we try to improve systems, plan as, as uh, the honorable member said, uh, we are busy implementing NSP, but also, you know, the, the crisis is just really, uh, it, it's moving faster than we are able to respond. Uh, the sense of emergency agency means changing the way we work. And, and I referred earlier on about uh, how the system responds. Firstly, it's us uh, fixing the system, not only the criminal justice system, just as government, how we program uh, the, the, the interventions that we put in place to actually respond to, to violence. Uh, it's, it's things that we, we need to change and continuously work on. We need to have proper systems models of implementing this strategy at a local level. Uh, I can give an example of some of the things that we need to revisit and look at at local level that can assist. Uh, the issue of structures of policy, pol uh, uh, policy, uh, policing, community policing forums. You know, we need to revisit those, those structures and a lot of other local structures that needs to assist us uh, to, to work on the program uh, working together as government and civil society process, it's, continuous, it's a continuous learning process. Uh, we try, we continue to be challenged as we move along, but it's, it's one relationship and partnership that we recognize is necessary. Uh, it's not easy, but with uh, working as an interim steering committee, we've learned the lesson that it's actually possible, uh, despite uh, the, the differences that we might have in challenges. The other big uh, problem, and it's not only, uh, uh, it, it, it's mainly the, the problem, even within the department itself, is the issue of dedicated capacity to actually have full-time home bodies that actually drive this NSP uh, on a daily basis uh, and, and actually ensure that things that we've committed to do, um, uh, we actually do. The last big challenge that I want to highlight um it's, it's the challenge of reporting and accounting by departments it's it's, it's one big challenge 
that we have, especially as a department, uh, where we would send templates, we will request certain information, and the information doesn't come by. Or if it does come, it, most of the time it's, it's, it's too late. So the issue of coordination, it's, it's really a challenging one. But it not, doesn't only refer to, the, to, to government. Also, we tested the idea of reporting as multi-sectors uh, that were sitting on interim steering committee. And we continue to be challenged and have a gap of civil society itself uh, sending us reports about what they were doing to implement some of the agreed uh, activities that we had under ERA. And the challenge of now trying also to broaden the scope and bring other sectors like labor, the private sector, um, and, and also to report on also what they are doing uh, to, to, to establish, I mean, to implement the national strategy. Um, going back to my last point on, on changing social norms, I think ADG dealt with that. But we also know that uh, literature and research tells us that changing behavior and norms is not an easy task to do. And there's no one silver bullet. I think our approach and, and is the approach of this strategy is that we have multi-faceted entry, multi entry points in, in terms of how we tackle the issue of patriarchy. It doesn't only involve education and campaigns and trying to influence people's thinking and behaviors. It's also going to take us having uh, programs, for instance, around parenting, you know, going back to the to institutions like uh, education, especially basic education, including ECD, um, uh, 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 EC, ECD facilities, looking at the curriculum, what is it that we're teaching our kids so that already they, they grow up uh, with a particular type of mindset and, and instead of us trying to correct at, at a later stage. So I'm saying changing norms is going to take different strategies and tactics uh, to do, and there's no one silver bullet. And yes, campaigns work, but we've seen that campaigns, you know, changing behaviors doesn't only take a 16 days of activism campaign. Uh, there's much more work that we need to do. And I think I'll stop there. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Ms. Uh, Tavalala. Thank you, um, Chairperson, and good afternoon to all the members of the Multi-Party Women's Caucus. I have been covered a lot by the Acting DG, as well as the Chief Director, Ms. Maluleke. There's one area that is remaining. You posed a, a question around departments and municipalities are key and working on COVID-19 plans and you would like to see us being more involved. I'd like to indicate that in the district municipal plans, we have included the GBV issues uh, to ensure that GBV is part of COVID-19 district dashboard. And that is going to enable our ministers and deputy ministers who will be visiting districts in ensuring that they mobilize communities to fight the pandemic, but also encouraging them to address the whole issue of gender-based violence 
in particular a whole issue around culture and the silence of members of society, including family members, not addressing this matter, facilitating or activating what you would normally call neighborhood watches teams, but in this instance would be either your street committees or your ward-based approach. Those are the areas that uh, we are elevating sharply in our district model plan. And also lastly, making sure that we establish rapid response structures at community level. Work a lot with your traditional leaders on the ground of faith-based organizations. And as we conclude uh, the discussions around the issue of district model, we would like to upscale the implementation of the National Crime Prevention Strategy, particularly pillar number three, that environmental design, because that pillar is very critical in ensuring that public spaces are safe, like regular cutting of grasses. We've seen a number of women were killed in spaces that uh, are full of trees and grasses and all of that. We would like to bring back that part and work quite closely with municipalities as well as communities and societies in this area. The rest, uh, I am fully covered and I would like to hand over to yourself, Chair, if there's anything else that has not been responded to by the department. Thanks. Thank you very much. You, you covered everything. I just want to check if there is uh, another hand that seek clarity on something that has been said now. Mandy, is there any hand? Yes, Chair, uh, Mahlengwa would like to speak. Okay. Mama, it's your chance. Thank you, Chairperson. I'd like to welcome... Matlengwa. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, Mommy. We can Thank hear you. Proceed. Thank you. I want to welcome the presentation. It was a superb presentation. Thank you very much. Well planned from the minister. Well planned. Thank you very much. But uh, mine is not the question. It's already input from what you have said. Now we are talking about schools. ECD, I'm just now looking at the primary and high schools, because in the primary and the high school, they are life orientation. If we include the ECD, that will be come with something, because from ECD, they can see that bully, uh, our children, our police, if we can put this program in a manner that we should, how to treat a, a, a girl child as a boy child. Going to primary, uh, look at the life orientation, because in the primary, they just look where the, the, the girl child have the period. But now we must include boys, a, a boy child, 
to how to treat their sisters, how to treat their schoolmates, classmates. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for this input. I thank you. Honorable Chair. Honorable Chairperson. From the department. Okay. Anyone to respond from the department? Um, yes, yes. Um, uh, thank you, Honourable uh, Chair. Um, and, and thank you, uh, Honourable Member Xiengwa. Um, the, the, I think the points raised by uh, the Honourable Member are, are very critical, and um, I think it was an input which we would embrace you know, uh, uh, wholeheartedly, uh, including you know, life orientation, ECD, um, looking at you know, the boy child and the girl child, and, and uh, addressing things like bullying, because uh, you know, bullying also um you know can can be an early manifestation of of of, of uh, violence that can uh, you know result in uh, gender-based violence uh, later on in life so we we, we welcome those uh, inputs from uh, the honorable member Lengwa, and we will definitely uh, take that forward thank you very much Thank you. Thank you very much for your response, Doc. Honorable Minister, are you still around? Honorable Minister. Honorable Minister, are you still with us? Can you check for me if the minister is still around with us? Yes, I'm checking now. Honorable members, can we continue if the minister is not around with us? Yes, Chair. Honorable members. Chair, I, I would like to take this opportunity and thank the department for their presentation and the responses they gave to us. I'm also happy they touched the issue of uh, decriminalization of sex work. And the, the, the answer was straightforward. That issue is still need some time to be worked on. They raised a lot of, a lot of issues that need to be taken care of. And I, I believe that 
when we call the department in order to give briefing to the to the caucus they are going to give us a lot about this and some of the issues that has been raised maybe they will be co- they will they will be corrected by then thank you very much uh, uh, the department and the minister if there is no other hand i think the department can leave us and the steering committee will remain in order to deal with the business only one item left in our in our agenda thank you very much uh, the department Thank you very much, uh, Honourable Chair and Honourable Members. Uh, thank you. Uh, Secretary? Yes, Chair? I think now we're to deal with the, the proposal to host an African Women uh, webinar. Y- yes, Chair. Um, the, the I document... think Joy is the one to present it. Yes, do- Joy is going to present now okay all right okay. joy can you thank take you. us through thank you chairperson good afternoon honorable members so i won't i won't be long i'm going to talk to was a request to do something to commemorate pan-african women's day which takes place on the 31st of july after recess has ended um, and the initiative is aimed at honoring the pan-african women's organization so the speaker had asked that i put together a draft proposal. I'm sorry, Joy, you're, you're breaking. I don't know whether it's on my side or is the place where you are now. Sure. Um, can can other members hear me? Is it on my side? Yes, we can hear you clearly. Okay. I can hear you clearly, Joy. I'll try and talk louder, Chair, and hope that the the connection is 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 good. I don't know if Mandy can also check from, from her side. Um, so the proposal is um, that I have drafted is is a draft concept, and the speaker had asked that this comes through the multi-party women's caucus for your input um, before it is finalised. So the idea is that we would host a webinar, um, and the webinar would focus on COVID nineteen and the impact on women's lives and livelihoods. So the the idea was that we would engage in looking at what has the impact of the coronavirus virus been on women's lives um, in terms of looking at both the economic situation as well as gender-based violence. So um, and, and we took as our background in looking at the economic uh, impact of the coronavirus on our society, some of the work that has been put out by the International Labour Organization where it has been estimated that a very significant number of women have been very, very severely impacted by the, the coronavirus. Um, and when we look at our own context in the global south, we know that many of our women are employed in the informal sector. And so the pandemic has a very disproportionate impact on, on women. Um, for women who own small, medium and micro enterprises, many of them have gone out of business and are not able to put food on their tables. And then when we look at um, the social protection mechanisms that have been put in place, even though we have this, um, it has not been enough in terms of ensuring that people have enough to eat and that they have income security. So we look particularly at the women in vulnerable sectors of employment, um, like in the informal sector, domestic workers, farm workers, sex workers, and women with care responsibilities who have taken 
great strain on their lives in the in the past few months. And in this, um, if we look at the impact of Corona, with together with the fact that women in the informal economy sometimes struggle with as, aspects like regular hand washing, wearing personal protective equipment. And where isolation, social isolation is not always an option, it makes them particularly vulnerable to, to coronavirus infection. So what we want to also then look at is, is what has been the impact of the coronavirus in terms of women working longer hours. So for women who, for example, are now working from home, um, when we look at the fact that many of the daycare centers and the schools have been closed for a period of time, what is the impact in terms of how women have taken on more of the care work in their families and in their communities um, at the time of the pandemic? And so we look at the fact that they're working longer hours, they get less sleep, and they have less time for looking after their own health and well-being. We um, look also at the fact that um, before the, the, the coronavirus outbreak, that there was an estimated 16.4 billion hours that were spent in unpaid care work across the globe, and the bulk of this is performed by women. I'm not going to go, honourable members, into the details around um, gender-based violence because the, the discussion on the NSP has talked about some of that, and it is in the, the document that has been attached. But safe to say that we know now that um, domestic violence was a pandemic in its own right before the outbreak of the corona pandemic. So we have the corona pandemic and we have a, um, a gender-based violence pandemic. And the, the intersection of those two things um, create a particular kind of situation in which we see violence being um, intensified and we look at... Um, how the impact of people living in, in close contact for, for extended periods of time and what the impact is of this has been in terms of um, exacerbating gender-based violence. And then we also look at the fact that this is happening in a time where service provision is compromised because the life-saving care and support like clinical management of rape and mental health and psychosocial support can be disrupted when healthcare workers are overburdened and preoccupied with handling um, COVID-19 cases. So within this context, the idea was that the, the webinar would create an online platform for members of parliament to engage with civil society. So it would be our civil society, our members of parliament, and a platform to engage on these issues. Um, but that the suggestion was also that we would uh, extend this to the SADC region and include members of the SADC um, parliaments as well. So we wanted to keep it relatively simple, and the idea was to ask two questions. What are the gaps in the, in the state's response to the COVID-19 pandemic in terms of securing women's economic productivity? And what is the gaps in addressing gender-based violence? And then secondly, how can parliaments improve our oversight in this regard? Um, in terms of who would participate, we're looking at all members of parliament. We're looking at the Pan-African Women's Organization, um, the SADC Women Regional Parliamentary Caucus, and the C19 People Coalition um, Network of Members. Um, honorable members, we, we also know that just from the way these webinars are working, it, it is most, it is better to do it 
over a shorter period of time rather than having something that goes on for, for a day or so. So the proposal is that it wouldn't run for more than an hour and a half to two hours maximum. Um, and as I said, the proposal is for Pan-African Women's Day on the 31st of July. I'm going to um, stop there, Chairperson. Um, my role from here is to take uh, into account the comments that come from honourable members and that will then be um, included into the revised proposal that goes through to the Speaker's office. Ms. Nkomo? Hi, Mindy. I also lost connection. I was disconnected for for a few seconds. But anyway, thank you so much for the the, the, the proposal from the Speaker's office. Let's allow members to engage on it, uh, to have a bite and hear what is our take in terms of the proposal. I'll allow members to speak uh, on the on the item. Any hand, comment, uh, honourable members? So, in the in the absence of any, Mam uh, do you want to speak? Unmute yourself, Mam. Or you fine? Okay. Any hand, Mendy? Honourable Sharif. I'm, fi I'm fine. Oh, okay. Yes. Listen, call. Honorable Whip. Oh, you betcha. Honorable Komo. Yes, sir, present. Honorable Chair. I'm saying I would love to ask questions, but I didn't hear what she was presenting. I was offline. But I wanted to check with her. Since you are saying that uh, the speaker received this, whether it's an invitation or a proposal, then she's, uh, the speaker said it, it needs to be escalated to the multi-party. I just want to check if uh, they are going to assist in all the arrangements in order to see or to find this day as a success on our side as multi-party. And the rest, you'll, you'll update me. Thanks. Okay, you can come through. Che, um, just to, to answer you on that one, the the uh, institution would assist in doing all the arrangements. So we would not have to do that um, by ourselves. It, it would be taken care of. Okay, I think what the chair wanted to know, what would be the role of the multi-party women's caucus in, in regards to the arrangement in the preparation and the role on the day of the event. Thank you, Honourable Member. I think that that was um, what I was meant to to take back is to, in terms of how the, the, the caucus would like to see their role playing out. So if um, that we could have a discussion around what the caucus would like, how the caucus sees its role, and that, that I can then build into the document. Honorable Komo. Honorable Komo. Yes. 
you were spot on because I, I wanted an indication to say as multi-party, this and this and this is going to be done by us. Unlike a situation where we find ourselves being told maybe a day before to say, you are going to do this and this. But I think we, what I was suggesting is that we need to be taken through or to be updated on each and every step in preparation of this in order to find ourselves not as, as visitors, but to be owning the program or to be, be co-owners of the program. Thank you. Okay, okay. Thanks, Chair. I think you were spot on. Uh, but I think from what the Office of the, 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 the Speaker wanted to find out from us is that what to have an input on what the program should be should be like, if I'm not mistaken. But perhaps because this is a presentation that we're receiving it for, for the first time, maybe my proposal would be that let's allow members to... to I saw even the, the something that maybe emailed to us to go through it, perhaps in our WhatsApp group, we we'll then do our own inputs. If there's a, if there's a, the absence of inputs now, let's allow maybe until Monday, allow members to digest the proposal. It's a new thing, of course, that came to all of us. And I see comrades want to comment on something that maybe they're not that much clear about it. Let's allow it until Monday through our WhatsApp group, women is um, our secretary is part of. Then we then get to get to 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 submit our input in terms of what must what must be the role of the multi-party on the day. I don't know, it's my proposal. Can members maybe uh, uh, say something on that in that regard? Or chair? No, I think there's nothing I can add. Let, let us all go through the document that has been sent to us in order to have the know-how or to get the gist of the matter concerning this, then we'll take it up. Thanks, uh, Honorable Ngomu. I think in the absence of any mm -hmm. hands, it means now we have come to the end of our meeting. And thank you very much, uh, honorable members and all staff members, the support staff. Uh, what we need to take care of, honorable members, is that coronavirus is real. Let's uh, observe it. Let's maintain issue of social distancing. Let's put our mask when we go out of our houses. Let's take care of ourselves and take care of our extended families. Those who pray, let's pray for the nation. Maybe, maybe God 